So it looks like this is the fortunate crew whose cars would start this morning. Well, I'm really grateful again to have this chance to be together. It is definitely cold enough out there. Uh, so anybody looking forward to a little bit of warm up this week, if it actually happens? I think, I think there's a few of us that are, are pretty much ready for this. I saw somebody calling for a beach day. Um, they're like, 30 degrees, let's go to the beach, because that, that could feel quite warm uh, for us. Um, I mentioned Wynnum Assembly, and uh, so keep praying for them. I know they had to do a lot of work over there. It was uh, four days of burst pipes over at Wyndham Assemblies this week. Um, so each time a different place, so just keep praying for them. Hopefully everybody here, everybody doing okay. Um, home's holding up all right. Are we staying? You know, so, so let's keep in touch with each other. If there's needs, you know, definitely let us know. If, if there's people, you know, uh, not all of us know how to do each of these things, but if we can help each other, um, you know, let's, let's keep doing that, watching out to see how we can serve others and, and look for those kind of things. Um, what I wanted to do this morning, I wanted to talk real quickly as we, as we go into the sermon, is I wanted to take a look, and I wanted to mention something that the teens and I were talking about on Sunday night. We talked a little bit about football. So I know, all of a sudden, a couple of you are like, oh, not football. Um, and then there's a couple of others, you're like, yeah, he's finally talking about something interesting. You know, but, but here's why we were talking about it is, football is nice. Because in football, everything is measured and there's all these refs that kind of, you always know if you're moving forward or if you're moving backwards. So if I say third and 15, for a lot of you, you automatically know exactly what I'm talking about in that kind of situation. You can actually draw in your head what's going on in that, in that game. Now, I know there's a couple others of you who sit there and go, I have no idea. It sounds like an algebra problem. But, but the reality is that that's really measurable. You know when you're lin- winning and you know when you're losing. And it's really kind of clear as it goes. Now, the game might change, but things become uh, clear right along, measurable. We talked about measuring winning in football. But then we talked about, well, how do you know if you're winning if you are giving a concert? It's a little different, isn't it? Because you don't have line judges that are there during a concert or if you're in a play to be able to sit there and say, oh, you know, that was a really good solo right there. We nailed it, right? Or, or something else like that. You do get a lot of feedback, but you don't have lines on the ground that make it quite as clear. Now, we parallel that to sit there and say, well, which one's more, in a sense, like the church? One of the questions that we kind of ask ourselves is, how do you know if you're winning? How do you know things are going well? How do you measure it? Like I said, in football, in a sense, you can look at it and almost everybody can kind of look and go, okay, well, here's the metric, here's the numbers I can tell you when I'm winning. But the funny thing is, is at a concert or at a play, people are going to bring their own thoughts to whether you're winning. They're going to kind of have their own little metric in their mind that sits there and goes, wow, that was the greatest play I've ever been to. Or they might look up and say, the person right next to them might sit there and go, that's not a very good one. In fact, this is kind of an inferior production. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
It's harder to know how to measure. So we have to agree on what a win looks like. We've got to have kind of some of the same mindsets so we can go forward and say, yes, things are going well. In the same way in a church, I can guarantee you that you have in your brain a set of qualifications that sit there and say, well, the church is winning, or you can say that this church is not doing well. The question is, is how do you measure that? Because we might be in the same church family. And one person would look up and go, things are not going well here. And somebody else might look up and say, no, things are going really well. Do you see what I mean? If it was football, we'd lay it out. We'd go, okay, well, let's just put it by the numbers. Let's just look at it. We can quantify every single thing to tell you whether or not there's a win or loss. So let me ask this question. What are some of the ways that people measure whether or not um, and, and we don't have to just talk about the only ones sit there and go, boy, these are the only valid ones. But what are some of the ways that people measure whether or not a church is being successful or whether it's having an impact or let's use the term winning? What do you think? What are some of the ways that people do it? Troy. Attendance is definitely one of the big ones, right? If you walk in, the room is full, then obviously that, that church is winning. So that's one of those. Awesome. What's another way? Okay, missions. People will look and see how much money goes towards missions and maybe how active people are in being involved in missions. What are some other ones? Okay, youth. Yeah, do we see lots of youth? Are there, are there teenagers that are engaged in here? What are some others? Troy. Okay, outreach. Is this a church that's, that's sharing the gospel with people and seeing people come to know Jesus, right? Good. Any others? Programs, that would definitely be another one. Boy, do they have lots of programs, lots of opportunities. If I am in this category, is there something that's clearly for me? Any others that you think of? Becky. Okay, yeah. Is there, is there an atmosphere of love? Is there a support? Is there a connectedness? So you can kind of go on. I remember uh, when I was in college, I was in a church and it was really large. Um, and one of the other big things that I noticed was it was influential. They talked about it on the news. Um, so influence is another area that, that can be one that, that people think through. Now, why it's important to get a chance to talk a little bit about this, so I want to just lay out for you over the next two or three weeks. We usually do this right in January. It's kind of a reminder for us. We're going to step out of Daniel for a week, and we're going to take a look instead at, at what are some of the wins. Now, last week in Daniel, we talked about some of the areas that we would like to see to say, boy, I want you to understand as elders, when we look at it, this is what we're looking for. We're not saying that these other areas aren't important. But I, we love to quantify it together so that we can look at it and be on the same page and say, boy, if we see this, then we feel like things are going really well here. I've told you before that our biggest statement, if you look at it and say, boy, how do you know whether or not, you know, the church is going well, whether or not Jesus is working? Our big metric is going to be deep spiritual transformation. That's the biggest thing that we're looking for. So we're not going to walk in and go, wow, do we see an increase of numbers over last week versus that week? 
We're not going to look back and go, boy, we used to have 250 people on a Sunday morning. We're going to look at that and say, okay, are we continuing to reach people? Are we continuing to reach out to people? But, but that's not going to be it. You know, another one that's really uh, important, we're going to talk about this next week, is music. But it's important for us to recognize, uh, when I was growing up, um, you know, music probably didn't play as big uh, or formative a role. But we, we have to remember that we live in a generation right now where we've kind of said, man, we can create, the term they use a lot is experience. We can create an experience. I know at Verizon, uh, Jeff was telling me about this, that they would have whole meetings on the, on the, the experience. It's all about experience when you come in. Music is an amazing tool, and that's why we're going to talk about it next week. But music is also something that you can kind of create, and it's a, it's a sense of experience that you can actually manipulate, and something that you can actually do. And, and by doing that, you can actually make people really feel deeply spiritually connected. But it may not be just deep spiritual connections. So, so we have a strategy, say, when it comes to music, and, and you've heard this phrase a lot before, is, is we would like to be an undistracting excellence. We, we would love for people to come in and go, wow, I could concentrate on singing. I could concentrate on what God's saying, but it's not so good that I just sit back and go, whoa, I've never been to a concert like this. Uh, and, and I feel like our leaders do such a great job. So we're going to talk more about music, but that, that's a huge metric today right now is what does the music sound like and how does the stage get lit? And when you walk in, does it feel? Does it feel? You know, what, what's that experience like? So that's another really big one. What I want to talk today is one of those areas about what it looks like for a win for us. Where's deep spiritual transformation come from? So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. So Ephesians chapter 5, you can kind of head to the right and just keep going for a little while. You'll get to Ephesians. If you get to Revelation, you've gone a little far. Um, but, but if you take your Bibles, we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at 18 through 21 today. Um, And I want to tell you that one of our big wins, one of the areas where deep spiritual transformation is going to come from, is going to come in, in this way. And I'm going to just say our, our metric, our win, is to be spirit-filled. We want to be people that are spirit-filled. And this is a, a, a massive and important distinction. Versus experience experience especially through like music during a, a gathered worship thing is valuable and it's encouraging and it's helpful but you can actually have an experience that mimics or that sort of supersedes and kind of takes over this area and right now one of the dangerous places is that music can have such a you know again there's that concert going kind of feel there's that amazing swept up into music and one of the one of the dangers is that you can make that the center point of your life where it's all about how do i feel through the music and for so many people today there can become then this confusion or this substitution that puts that work 
of how I feel, how do I respond to the music and the presentation that comes during that experience, but actually shuts out the Holy Spirit. You may be talking about exactly the same things, but you can actually eclipse the work of the Holy Spirit if I love music, if I allow music to be the thing that sets my direction. Do you see why we need to kind of draw this distinction between these two places right here? What we want to be is filled with the Spirit. Now you can also, we'll, we'll talk about this obviously more as we look at this, but you can also allow anything else. So it's not just music. Music is not the enemy. Music is actually a tool to help me be filled with the Holy Spirit. But again, football, since it's football season, football can become our key thing. Or, as we'll see in our passage today, alcohol, food, reputation, pride. There's so many different things that can be in here. So that's why this for us is a really important distinction. Because if we are filled by the Holy Spirit, that's what sets our direction. All right, so that's what we're going to look at. Let's go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 5. I just want to do verses uh, 18 through 21. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, help us today to be able to understand this distinction. Father, help us today to have hearts to really want to be filled by you. Lord, we realize that we don't always do it perfectly. But Lord, we would long to. And in fact, we realize that the very essence of being in heaven will be walking with you, being led by you, being filled by you. That's what we look forward to. So Lord, help us just answer questions. Help us to understand. Lord, help us to have responsive hearts today. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk with wine because that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now he's going to go on, and let's just kind of ask this question. What does it look like when someone's filled with the Spirit? If you look at this passage, there's, there's a, a few different answers here uh, of things. So what I want you to do is make sure, remember, let's look in the book. Let's see. What does it look like? What are some of the evidences? There's three that are in this passage that will tell us uh, what it looks like when someone is actually filled with the Spirit. What are the ones that you see in here? Yes, so thanksgiving, right? Verse 20, giving thanks always and for... Wait, take a look at that. You missed it. You missed your cue, right? Verse 20, giving thanks always and for... What? Everything. So there's this sense, someone who is filled with the Spirit, they can be encouraged because they're going to notice that they have this overall attitude of gratitude. There's going to be a gratefulness 
really for everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, even for 20 below and for 30 degrees. Woohoo! Okay, so which again sounds so crazy to be excited about, but but yes, there can be this incredible gratitude. Now, is that the normal human condition? So let's just think about the conversations you've had this week. <laughs> what have people been talking about? It's too cold this week. All right. They're not happy because their oil company isn't responding. And again, I understand real tension, real fear. There are real parts of this. But what he's saying is when somebody is filled with the spirit, one of the fruits, one of the evidences in their life is this opportunity to be incredibly grateful and thankful. Even in hard situations, difficult situations, right? So this cuts out grumbling, that self-pity, bitterness, the brokenness. Someone filled by the Spirit can be grateful. Now, let me just ask this question. Do you want to be, okay, let's, let's put it on, on, on sides here. Do you want to be bitter, um, pouting, self-lamenting? Do you want those terms to be the things that get described you? Or, or would you rather be the person who's known for being grateful? Man, I, do you see the benefit to being somebody who actually is grateful? So you can see as we talk about this uh, as elders that we want what's good for you. We want what's best for you. It's good for us that way. There's two other things that are presented in this passage that we can take a look at. What are the two others? One comes before verse 20 and one comes after. Just giving you, you know, softball pitches right there, right? What one's in verse 19? This one might be a little more, a little more challenging, but look at verse 19. Yeah. And what form does it majorly take in here? Yeah, do you see the sense of, of joy? But where's that joy in? Notice that there's, there's um, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody. Anybody pick up on any kind of theme in there? It, it doesn't seem real hard for us, but, but to look at this and go, okay, so am I saying today that music is wrong? Absolutely not. Am I saying that music goes against spirituality? Absolutely not. What I'm saying, though, is we want this joy. So the second thing that we're going to see is this joy. What is the joy in? Is the joy in just music? What's the focus? The joy is in Christ. The joy is in who I am because of Christ. It's in who God is. So, so the second thing that we want us to see is um, that they're filled with joy. And in fact, in Acts chapter uh, 13, verse 52, Luke agrees with this. And he says what? The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Again, is this a characteristic that you would like to see in your life? Would you like to be when it's, when it's negative 12... <laughs> in the morning, would you rather be known for having sharp and witty, insightful commentary on everything? 
on how life is just too cold and everything is wrong? Or would you rather be known for being somebody who's actually filled with joy? So you can see being filled with the Spirit leads to to joy and even overflows in what? Song. Right? So so there's this there's this part that overflows. It sits there and goes, Man, I love to tell you about what God's doing. And in fact, it causes this song to kind of rise up in my soul. Music is powerful and it's important. But it leads towards joy. So we talk about being somebody filled with joy. That's one of the characteristics I can look at in my life. Do I see joy? Am I a happy person? Am I thankful is the second one. What's the third one? Take a look in the book. And you can look around verse 21. How's that? Yeah. Wow. Now there's a favorite one for us, right? There's a favorite. But loving submission. What's the idea here, Don? Because I know you know. Okay. I can actually look out for someone else's needs. I can put, you know, my wife or my kids or my neighbor or my coworker, I can actually put them ahead of me and not have to have them owe me something, but I can actually become free to be a servant. I can be free to help. So, so what we see is this loving submission to each other's needs. I don't have to be angry because someone didn't take care of my needs. I can be free to give my life away. And we do that a lot. So loving submission, perpetual gratitude, and joy. These are three signs. Let me give you one more that's not in this passage, but we talked about it last week. One of the other marks of somebody who's filled with the Spirit is that they are made strong to talk about Jesus even in the face of opposition. So just like Daniel, uh, remember we saw Nebuchadnezzar and we kind of teased out what's going to happen next in his life. But Nebuchadnezzar sits there and says, I want to tell all the world about what this awesome God has done for me. And then he's going to tell his story, and it's going to be all riches, right? It's going to be all blessing in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Everything's going to go super well for Nebuchadnezzar, and that's how he's going to make his, his, his story, isn't it? No, in the face of deep opposition when God was kind of against him. So again, you could look at Acts chapter 4, verse 8. You could look at verse 31. You could look at chapter 7, verse 55, or 13, 9. What I want us to see in this is no one can fail to be bold. I mean, to to just jump on that opportunity to witness. When the Spirit has brought this overflowing kind of joy, this perpetual gratitude, and this humble serving love, witness ties into that. Okay? So, So what I'm saying, what we're saying, what the Scriptures are saying, is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's sort of funny. I'll, I'll tease about this. Obviously, I don't think it's true. But when I was growing up in Baptist churches, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was kind of the problem. We were worried about the Holy Spirit. And I can even remember, you know, uh, Tim will get a kick out of this. But I remember when I was a kid, one time I was in a Sunday school classroom and someone brought in a Steve Green, I mean, a Keith Green album, you know. And, and my, my teacher, uh, he just kind of looked at me and he went, oh, he's a Pentecostal. 
And that was it. So there was this sense to which, for some of you, you might look up and go, wow, I don't know if we're supposed to do this with the Holy Spirit. I can promise you, you absolutely are supposed to. I'm not necessarily talking about speaking in tongues. I'm not talking about divisive areas that people are going to look at in here. What I'm saying is, all of us need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's not like the gas tank of your car where you sit there and go, okay, I have a half a tank or a quarter of a tank. Or Dan and I were talking about it. We're both the kind of guys who are like, I got a sixteenth of a tank of gas. I can make it to Portland. Um, there's some of you who that would just stress you out. I'd stress the Scott out because I remember last time we were riding together. He saw I had a quarter of a tank. He's like, don't you need to get gas? And I'm like, oh, dude, I can drive from here to you know, Connecticut almost on that. Um, literally, last time when I was driving down to see Sam and Ronnie in the, uh, to, to go visit with Anna down in the hospital, I got in the car and I'm driving along and I have one of those distance till empty things and I'm like, I can make it further and I'm pushing along. I should get gas in New York. I'm like, no, I don't want to pay New York prices. I'll wait till I get to New Jersey. And then I get to New Jersey and it's got like, you got 70 miles left. And I'm like, I can make it a little further in New Jersey. And I pushed it along and I got down to Clinton and it's like, you've got seven miles left in your tank. I'm like, great, I made it. So, so some of us are like that. But, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is not like how much quantity do I own of the Spirit? It was a different term back then. The idea of being filled with the Spirit actually was described not a boat being filled with uh, materials or, or filled with you know, the things that it was going to bring. It was, does it have a crew and does it have a captain? Does it, does it have someone that's leading, guiding, caring, and directing it? To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide and to take the course of my life, to send me where he wants me to go, to take me where he wants me to go, to make me open to the ideas that he wants me to see. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you want that? I mean, I know, I know you, and I know you do. We admitted it before, we don't always do it the best. But we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So your desires are the same as what we desire. So let's just look at this from this passage for a second. Paul holds up two things. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the parallel? What's the picture that he uses? What's the other, say, option that he uses in the text? Yeah, being drunk. So, so does, that, does that follow out the same kind of uh, mindset? What does alcohol do for people? Yeah, alcohol begins to take over what? Your speech. It changes the way that you hear. It changes the way that you interact with other people. It's not really about how much you drank. It's about how much control does it set you on your course. So, so Paul's looking at this and saying, hey, don't let alcohol be the one that tells your mouth what to say. Because you always hear people talk about it. Man, I like to drink because it helps me. It, it makes me more social. It frees me up. It lets me kind of talk to people I wouldn't usually talk to. I become the life of the party when I, when, I, when I drink. That's why I do it. It helps me. Or it also takes my mind off of the things that I don't want to have to face right now. It gives me a break. It kind of comforts me and soothes me. Instead, he says, that application... He says, instead, let the Holy Spirit do it. Don't, don't seek this. 
This would be kind of our culture's way of saying, this is how you get relief. He's saying, instead, let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what he's talking about. How do you get drunk? Drink. Like a sip? No, keep drinking, right? Lots of it. You know, whatever it takes to get to that point. So how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Same way, right? We want to take Him in. We want to get filled. We want to have lots of the Spirit in our life. It's kind of funny because in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, um, Paul literally uses the term, he says, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, in John chapter 7, 37 through 39, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But then what was it Jesus that, that actually John clarified? John said, he said this about the Spirit. So how do we drink the Spirit? How do we take in the Spirit? How do we let the Spirit fill us up be the one that kind of takes over our thought process and our speech process and, you know, begin to have control over our bodies. Uh, the same way that alcohol takes control in those kind of areas, how do we let the Spirit instead do that? Well, let me give you a couple of things. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, here's the Apostle Paul as well saying, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So one of the things that we begin to do is we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. So in Colossians chapter 3, right, we know it says, set your minds on the things, seek the things that are above, set your mind on things that are above. What does that mean to set your mind on things above? Yeah, you start thinking about, we direct our attention towards, we become deeply concerned with, we become devoted to, we become taken up with these areas of, of understanding who God is. So what we're saying is um, to, to take in the Spirit this way means to seek the things of the Spirit, to direct our attention towards the things of the Spirit. We become devoted to the things of the Spirit. So does that mean I sit under a tree uh, and kind of just hope that the Spirit gives me something? You know, and, and that is the answer for a lot of people, isn't it? I want to become innately spiritual, so what do I do? If I want to become innately spiritual, our, our generation's answer to that is what? Meditation. And by meditation, they mean... Well, and that's, that's what we mean, but that's not what they mean. Most people today, what they're saying, when they think about meditation, what do I have to do? I have to empty my mind. I have to think about nothing. That's Eastern. That is not biblical. That is not at all what we're saying here. It's not about trying to empty my mind. Instead, it's actually trying to fill my mind. With what, though? Yeah, with God's Word. I want to know who God is. And I want to know what God has done. And I want to know who I am in Christ. And I want to know what God wants me to do. So I, I need to spend time in God's Word, right? 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, and keep trying back with Paul because here's Paul writing in Ephesians. So, so this means this is, this is the spirit leading in his life. But you can see we're not throwing together different things that are disconnected. We're throwing together things that we sit there and go, this is how the spirit constantly led the apostle Paul to teach in this way. But in 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit. It's not going to fit with our culture. There's not going to be anybody around in our culture who's going to sit there and say, Oh, i got this really great idea. We should study the Bible to try and find out what God thinks and who God is. That's not going to be their answer for you. Their answer to you is going to be, You should come over and let's drink for a little while and we'll take care of your problems. It doesn't take care of our problems. Or their answer is going to be, you need to just kind of clear your mind, or you need a hobby, or you need to go to the gym and you need to run, you know, uh, ultra marathons, or you need to, you know, you need to do this or that. And they're going to have all these great solutions, but we're looking at it saying, no, we want to be taught by the Spirit. So when Paul said that, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit, he was actually referring to what? Believe it or not, he's referring to his own spirit-inspired teachings. So the Apostle Paul, it could sound arrogant, but at this moment what he's saying is, hey, these things are uniquely taught by the Spirit of God. And even if I said them, it's not me, it's the Spirit. This is the Word of God. It is authoritative. It is truth. It is life for us. A natural person's never going to arrive at these things. But these are the thoughts and the ways and the plans of God. So therefore, the things of the Spirit that he's talking about are the teachings of the apostles. It's the teachings of the Bible. That's what, that's what he's saying. Set your mind on these things. Think about these things. Jesus in John chapter 6, 63 said this, The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Therefore, the teachings of Jesus are also the things of the Spirit. So the things of the Spirit aren't just these nebulous ideas, these supernatural spiritual ideas where anybody can decide whatever they want. Instead, the way that we become filled with the Spirit is we spend time with what the Spirit has taught in God's Word. The Apostles' teaching, Jesus' teaching, the Old Testament, the New Testament, all of it is incredibly critical to our spiritual growth. We've got to spend time in God's Word. We've got to set time aside to think about it. So when we meditate on God's Word, what do we do? We actually think through, wow, what's God like in this situation? I don't try to blank my mind out. Instead, I try to fill my mind. I want to understand who God is. This is the absolute truth. So let's put it this way. We use this image. Instead of drinking lots of wine, um, drinking the Spirit means we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And when we do that, we direct our kind of eager anticipation and attention to the teachings of the apostles, to the teachings of Jesus, 
to the teachings of God's Word. That's where I'm going to. That's what I need. And if we do that long enough, what begins to happen to us? We become changed. We, we become filled with the Holy Spirit because I know what the Spirit's thinking and the Spirit loves to meet me as I spend time in God's Word. So the Spirit wants to show me, to highlight, to, to raise up, to bring out different things that He wants me to know. And it may be things He wants me to do. It may be insights into who God is. It may be an understanding about how, what God did and how God works in our world. Whatever these kind of areas are, and instead, there's this dependency. There becomes this need that sits there and says, wow, I need to know who God is today. I've told you because, you know, it, it can become this typical mindset for us. But I remember talking to a young, young guy one time in his 20s. And, you know, I mentioned about reading God's Word. He said, well, I've already kind of read that once. Now, this is a church-going guy. And that's not it. We need to constantly be in God's Word. We need to have this dependency. People become dependent on alcohol, don't they? We're supposed to be dependent on the Spirit. People can't live without a drink. But we're supposed to be the people who sit there and go, I can't live without the Spirit. I need the Spirit's work in my life. Now, here's the reality of it. You can't do this by yourself. In other words, is it possible that you could actually read God's Word every single day and not be filled with the Spirit? Yes. Is it likely? No. But is it possible? Yes. There's a way to make reading God's Word not about knowing God and understanding God and being with God. It's more about me. Okay. In the same way that music can do that, you can do the same thing about God's Word. And I just want to warn us about this. So what we need to understand is that um, being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't like being drunk with wine. Because if I want to get drunk with wine, what do I do? I have control over the bottle. I have control. I'm the one who picks it up. Do you have control over the Holy Spirit? Go like this. <laughs> right? Why? Why do you not have control over the Holy Spirit? Because He is very God Himself. And He is a person. You do not have the ability. The Holy Spirit is not some spell. It's not something you conjure. He is not someone you control. He is not safe. Right? He's free to come and go as He wills. But... Jesus said this to his disciples in Luke eleven thirteen, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Does the Spirit want to be involved in your life? Absolutely. What? Even if you're not perfect, does the Spirit want to be involved in your life? Especially then. We won't be perfect on our own. But God is so loving that if we begin to ask Him, right? 
If we want to be filled with the Spirit, what do we need to do? Pray. Right? And, and, and you know, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 there, that's what Paul is, is doing. He's praying. He's asking God to be involved. He's asking in the Father that the believers might be filled with all the fullness of God. God, would you, would you do that? So you actually have a role to be able to pray for others, to pray for Wyndham Baptist Church. This is why it's important that we understand what our wins are, that we, how we measure. Because if we're all sitting there going, God, I pray that there would be more people in church on Sunday. That's not necessarily a bad thing to pray for. But if that's where you sit there and go, that's the mark of a great church. I'd rather have you change that and say, God, I pray that you would fill your people with your Holy Spirit. Most likely what would happen, we'd probably have more people, but what would deeply happen is deep spiritual transformation. I feel like God's been doing that work here in so many lives, bringing about deep spiritual transformation. So let's ask God for that. So what are we doing? We're kind of drinking of the Spirit and praying. We're drinking of the Spirit and praying. We're drinking of the Spirit and praying. So we're in God's Word. We're praying, God, would you do this? Would you create this in me? Could you create a hunger and a heartfelt longing for you? We're not all perfect all the time. Nobody is ever totally joyful. We're not totally submissive to God. We're not totally ready to give our lives away to serve others. But it should still be our great goal, right? It should still be our longing. Um, But the way that we will take care of that, the way that we move forward, is not going to be by just listening to what I feel like is going on in my heart or mind. It's not going to be by quieting and, and emptying my mind. It's going to come by... Drinking and praying and asking for the Spirit. I'm going to have to preach to my soul. So I was thinking about Psalm 42. Why are you downcast, my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. He is my help and my God. There's going to be days where we're worried. There's going to be days where we feel unappreciated. There's going to be days where we're going to long to try and find some other way to escape. And on those days, we're going to have to remind our souls, hey, what I really want, what I really need is to be filled by the Spirit of God. That's what I really want for my life to do. So I've got to keep bringing my soul back to what is the actual banquet. Because like Paul says here, alcohol won't be able to fill us. But let's also fill this out because he's not clearly only talking about one thing. Tom Brady will not be able to fill my life. As wonderful as terrific, Tom Terrific is, right? And, and, and you know, uh, the tax return um, that's supposed to come back, you know, and everybody's talking about numbers, that's not going to fill my soul. And I can also promise you bitterness and anger and, and you know, like gossip and all these things are not going to fill my soul. And, and uh, losing weight or, or, you know, any of these other things won't fill my soul. These are all good things. My kids 
will not fill my soul. What do I need? I need to be filled by the Spirit of God. So let's set that as one of our wins for this year. If there's a direction that we're headed as a church, that's one of the areas that I want to keep in front of us. And notice that it has, it ties in, like we said with last week, where we said, boy, one of the big things we want to do is we want to be able to have boldness to preach the gospel to others. We want to see people who don't know Jesus, people who've walked away from Jesus, come back to Jesus. That's a really important one for us. Uh, that's another big goal for us as we, as we go through the year, okay? So those are, those are some of the ones. As we come to the communion table, what I want to do is I want to kind of remind us them. There's a couple of different reactions you can have at this point. Some people can look at this and they can say, you know what? I am praying constantly. And right now, it just seems like a season where I feel really connected to the Spirit. So is, is communion a time to beat yourself up? And is it a time to sit there and say, oh, I hate myself and let me feel really guilty? That's not being led by the Spirit, is it? So for some, this would be a chance to rejoice, to say, Holy Spirit, I am so thankful that you have drawn me to yourself and that you are encouraging me. I am so thankful. Thank you for bringing me in. Now, there can be some others, though, who sit there and go, you know, have not been walking with the Spirit well. Now, one of the great things about this time of communion is that we could actually sit there and say, God, I'm sorry. I, I, Joel uh, posted out something this week, and I thought it, w- it was interesting. I think it was this weekend about arguments. Because, you know, Joel's super argumentative, right? You know, but uh, I thought it was a great insight because the idea was this, this article, I'll summarize and I'll send you to talk to Joel because he can get you the, the article. But the idea was to sit there and say, when you're in an argument with somebody else, what if you sat there and looked for the places that you could honestly agree instead of not, not, not placating, not trying to make someone feel better, not saying something false, but what if you actually listened instead of all the things that you disagree with and your ability to fight against all those things, what if you actually just sat there and said, you know what, I agree there. Well, there's an easy place right here. We can argue with the Holy Spirit. We can sit there and tell him why he's wrong and why he doesn't understand our situation. And if he was wearing our shoes, this is why he would totally understand it, but he doesn't get it. Or we can sit there and say, you know what, Spirit, you're right. I agree. I have not been walking well with you. I want to. Now, as we take communion, this is a perfect time to be able to do that, to enter into that, to be able to say, God, this has been my focus, but what I really need is to be filled with your Spirit. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to um, take this symbol today. I've asked a couple of gentlemen to help me, and then I know Vic's going to come back up and Becky, and, and they're going to help us as well. So if you guys want to come up here, I want to remind you just that this is a symbol. Um, it's an important symbol that Jesus gave to us. It's a symbol that is um, really, it's tangible, it's teaching, it's awesome, it's amazing. It is a symbol, we believe, really for believers. So it's something that is for those who sit there and say, you know what, I trust Jesus, I believe Jesus, I follow Jesus. I may not do it perfectly, but that's where my hope is at. Uh, If you're not a believer, I encourage you, you you probably don't want to be part of this. 
could have negative spiritual impact on you. So that might be one of those places where we have to just say, I agree. Because we might look at it and go, you know what? I've never trusted you, Jesus. And, and the Spirit says, you know what? You're not my follower. We have to sit there and go, okay, I agree. Now, I'm also going to remind you that the Spirit invites you, though, today that you could, right where you're seated, you could ask Jesus. You could say, hey, could you change somebody like me too? You can invite Jesus into your heart. You don't have to have perfect words. The Spirit will help you. And right where you're at, you don't need to walk down an aisle. You don't need to flash a card. You don't need to do anything else like that. But right where you're at, you can invite Jesus to come, to forgive you, to heal you, to transform you. So as we pass out this, I just want to encourage you, can you, can you agree? Can you listen to the Spirit? You know, one of those big parts of, of listening and being able to say with somebody, I agree, would be asking questions. The Spirit's not afraid of questions. If you sit there and say, Holy Spirit, where am I with you? Now, the great thing is we get to listen. I encourage you. That's what this time is built on. It's a chance to listen and a chance to respond. So let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, help us right now as we come to your word. We want to be filled with your spirit. We want to be filled with an understanding of your word. And now as we come to this table, Lord, we want to be filled with your presence. We want to have an opportunity to listen to you and then respond. Would you help us? Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.